This is Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital channel Carnival. And welcome to AFLW Draft Inside, our non-Victorians episode. I'm Peter Holden from Women's Australian Rules Football Radio and joining me today from draftcentral.com.au is their editor and Peter Williams. Peter, how are you? Yeah, looking forward to get stuck into this. This is a really exciting time for the draft coming up and obviously there's a lot of talent outside Victoria to look at. And when we say the non-Victorian edition, that's any state outside of Victoria, but that of course is uh, taking to equation that some players may nominate Victoria. We've heard a bit out of that out of New South Wales and of course uh, not accounting for free agency that happens at the end of the draft period. Yeah for sure and and obviously we know that they've all got their individual state pools um, with the new teams coming in in West Coast and Gold Coast there's now going to be two te- uh, two teams in the West Australian pool and two teams in the Queensland pool with obviously GWS Giants and Adelaide um, having the benefit of being the only team in the New South Wales and the um, South Australian pool which kind of to be honest off the top makes it a little bit scary for Adelaide so um, but we'll get stuck into it and hopefully uh, there's quite a bit we can decipher from all these players that are hoping to get drafted. Now a few notes that we need to make of course uh, previously the Northern Territory was exclusively tied to South Australia that's been broken off now so the NT players could end up anywhere even though there is some talks that there's going to be some type of shit her arrangement. We should mention that if we don't mention a name it's not a reflection on what their draft chances are. Yeah no there's just so many we'd probably be going on for several days um, in terms of how many players that could be there particularly at the back end of the draft because there's players that one club might only be interested in and they might see them down at Timbuktu or something and go yep they're the fit for me and we obviously can't cover them all so um, we've just picked out a handful that we think are, are worth mentioning. And of course there's the secret uh, cross coders that come from out of nowhere from other sports that they go we're not going to give them a rookie contract we're going to put them straight on the primary list that catches everyone by surprise but that's to do with their testing days that all clubs hold throughout the year. Yeah and of course uh, they'll they'll be real keen to keep an eye out on their testing and see how they perform and also over a number of years once they've done it for a couple of years and, and really getting uh, getting that done. So let's go state by state. We're going to begin, first of all, with Queensland and some of the better players uh, coming out of there. Now, this is intriguing because, as you said, now it's a competitive draft pool. Uh, The Brisbane Lions don't have exclusive access. They've now got the uh, Gold Coast Suns that uh, are in there. Um, First of all, we need to make mention that prior to last year, uh, Craig Starsevich, the Brisbane Lions coach, he was actually head of AFL Queensland High Performance. So he knew not only the best senior women's going around, but he actually knew... Anyone, I guess, that was 14 years and older, that best crop coming through, he knew where they were, he knew what they were doing, he put them on the plan that was going to feed through to him. Yeah, 100%. And he was actually coaching the under-18s at the championships um, back last year before, um, you know, not having the role this year. But last year, and basically he was able to identify all of them and go, yep, you're right, you're right, you're right, and and train them as if they're already ready to step into that um, Brisbane system uh, the moment they come in. And now, of course, they've got some competition with Gold Coast up there. And we mentioned the Gold Coast Suns. Now, they had access to some players early through the priority signing program, and they did that by picking up a number of players out of other clubs. First of all, they got Jamie Stanton out of North Melbourne, who is a former Queenslander, former Lions, so she is coming back home to play for the Gold Coast Suns. They got Tory Groves-Little out of the Brisbane Lions. They signed that straight away. Then they got uh, Paige Parker out of the Brisbane Lions as the great raid began. Then they managed to pick up Tiana Ernst out of the uh, Western Bulldogs. Tiana's actually gone up there for work, to work in Brisbane at a hospital, and she'll be playing on the Gold Coast. Uh, Also out of Brisbane, they picked up the likes of Sam Virgo, Jackie Yorston, 
Lauren, Lauren Bella, Leah Kasler, Emma Pittman. So they're picking up some quality players out of the Lions, which is hitting them at the same time. The last signing that the Gold Coast announced out of that uh, period was Jasmine Hewitt out of Adelaide. Yeah, they picked up some very, very handy players there, Gold Coast. And obviously, Brisbane, we always knew they'd be, um, I get shafted for lack of a better word, because of the second team coming in. Um, and we knew that, uh, obviously, with the talent pool that's in Queensland, it's strong enough to sustain it because outside Victoria, I know WA were always quite strong, but now Queensland, because of the likes of Craig Stasevich and, and people like that, it's just as strong as any other state. So there's a lot of talent coming through that pathway. And while Brisbane might take a hit now, certainly over the next few years, these two teams are both going to be quite strong. As we have a look at the trade period, Brisbane, of course, lost a number of players and got some trade picks back for it. They lost Sabrina Frederick to Richmond, Kate McCarthy to St Kilda, Mackenzie Darrick to West Coast. In return, they got picks 11, 12, 13. Bang, bang, bang in a row. Yeah, previously, obviously, for Brisbane, they are they didn't really need the picks because of the state-based draft, but now they suddenly do. It, it's become a lot more important to them. Um, and obviously it means that, you know, they've also got up there at pick three. So they've got quite a number of picks. They've got the first four picks for the Queensland draft. So they know that anyone who isn't picked up, they're going to be able to handpick the four best uh, talents. Bella Eyre announced her retirement um, due to going into the police force. Ruby Blair also announced her retirement and they delisted Megan Hunt and Crystal Scott. It'll be interesting to see if they do pick up Megan Hunt again, who's had a very good season in the QAFLW competition. So that's the retirements and uh, delistings there for the Brisbane Lions. Um, through free agency period, they actually managed to pick up Brianne Lug out of Adelaide. Yeah, and, and that'll be a handy signing, I think. I think that's someone who... Um, will provide a real good role for them and a bit underrated and it'll be interesting to see how she goes. For the Gold Coast Suns, uh, they also picked up through the free agency period Sally Riley out of Adelaide, Premiership footballer, and Jordan Hickey out of Melbourne. Yeah, and, and Sally Riley, it's interesting because speaking to some of the the players who played in the sample alongside her mentioned that she was such a great influence on them growing up. So she's really good for the culture and I think she'll be really good up there um, with the side. And for the rookie signings for the Brisbane Lions, they've taken some cross coders. They've got uh, Greta Bodie out of soccer and they've got Aura, uh, I'll get this right, Orla O'Dwyer um, out of uh, Gaelic football from Ireland. Another success from the uh, cross coders program. So as we go through now the uh, Queensland players that are available that have played uh, in the QAFL W competition. Uh, we begin, first of all, by having a look at uh, Alexandra Hamlin. Um, she, her name popped up there um, during the awards season, uh, a star footballer for Coolangatta Tweed. I managed to have a chat with Nicole Graves, of course, um, former Swan Districts coach. She actually spent some time as assistant coach at Coolangatta Tweed up there on the Gold Coast throughout this year, and she will actually be the head coach for Gatta Tweed um, for the 2020 season. And uh, this is what Nicole had to say about Alexandra Hamlin. Alex is a really um, excellent leader. She's obviously, well, when I say mature age, that just means that they're, you know, over the age of 21 these days or uh, anything. So, yeah, Alex is a key key defender. So just really reads the play beautifully off that halfback line. So I guess, you know, we talk about, you know, that style of play. She's that sort of hutchy you know, the old Hutchie style of players. So just sweeps across that half-back line. Can also go forward, obviously, got a good set of hands. So, yeah, Alex played in the 23s um, against Western Australia um, during the season, uh, the Queensland 23s. So, yeah, she's certainly one that they'd look at. Um, 
uh, as a as I said, as a I guess a mature age uh, player that um, you know that has got good height and as I said, you know won't be sort of intimidated. She's um, she's an excellent leader and she's actually the captain of the Coolangatta Blues. And that sweeping role is very important in this uh, AFLW competition when particularly there's not that key forward at many clubs that uh, the forward lines get rotated around a lot a lot of use of small forwards you need someone who's while the others are trying to man up someone who can swing back yeah you always need a good versatile player who's able to do a multitude of roles and it's something that I think that certainly the Queensland clubs will look at and and potentially someone who might improve in a short period of time which is important can you take us through uh, Lily Postlethwaite? She's a name that's being mentioned. She's come out of the Sunshine Coast, out of Marucci Door. Yeah, she's an absolute gun. And to be honest, if she was Victorian, she'd be in the same um, conversation as we're having with Patrikios and um, Newton and, and whatnot. And um, look, I, I would say, <laughs> to be honest, without putting too much pressure on her, I'd be almost very shocked if... Um, Craig Stasevich doesn't read her name out in that first selection. She's a player who just does the lot, and she's... She's so hard on herself. She's a player that is never satisfied, and and that's what she sort of says. I'm never satisfied with the way that I play. I'm never quite um, convinced that I'm you know as as good as um, I can be. So I'm always pushing myself. And she's a captain there, a leader. She's not overly tall, but she just she wins the ball and she's hard at it. Can play anywhere. Loves that midfield role. Just relishes and and really enjoys every time she goes out and plays footy. And uh, you managed to catch up with Lily Postlethwaite uh, up there on the Gold Coast during the uh, National Championships. Here's a little snippet from Lily. Yeah, it's really good. Um, all the girls are so welcoming and you just learn so much off them. And it's just that next step and, like, shows you where you're at, I guess. So, like, if you're up for it or not. And that was her talking about playing in the QAFLW competition, about um, having to go up the next grade, going up against these senior footballers, particularly when you've got the likes of Emma Zilke running around, Shannon Campbell, Jessica Wuchner, to find out that she's comfortable at that next level. Yeah, 100%. She's a player that will have no issues. And um, she'll be a player that, like um, Maddie Prisparkas before her, um, uh, this year we'll, we'll be hearing a lot about her. And I do have a feeling if she was in Victorian circles, there'd be a lot more hype around her, which is good for her because she's up there there and it's a bit, um, I guess, quieter, although it is growing. And um, I certainly think that Brisbane will have no issues picking her straight up. Uh, another name to look out for is uh, Lucinda Puller. Now, Lucinda actually came out of W League Soccer. She's a cross-coder and she's playing at Bond University. She's a player to keep an eye on. And uh, one person that I spoke to to try and get some information and glean about Lucinda was Laura Attard, who is formerly on the Carlton list and out of Diamond Creek in Victoria. And Laura is actually playing up on the Gold Coast this year with Bond University with Lucinda. Um, I think Lulu Puller has been one that been fantastic as well. She's come from um, from W League, um, sort of was on the, the raw list and, and she's a cross-coder that just really has embraced it and uh, is loving life. Yeah, when you talk about elite athletes, because of course, you know, there's only going to be so many under-18s that you can pick out of Queensland. That's the one that I reckon near the back of the draft are either the Lions or the Suns. They'll be looking at that going, right, here's an elite athlete that we can take a risk on. Yeah, and, and I mean, those uh, elite athletes probably have the, the fitness base and, and they're ready-made to come in. They might not have the technical skill all of a sudden. They may have to build that. But certainly in terms of their fitness experience and, and their ability to play at the top level, they're used to that kind of thing. So um, it'll be uh, 
a real opportunity for her to come in and play a role. Can you take us through a player that stood out from Bond University at the championship, Serene Watson? Yeah, she's a player who's going to be very interesting. Uh, obviously, Gold Coast Suns uh, academy member, uh, but hasn't been pre-listed. So she's a, a Queensland player who plays out of defence, um, really consistent. She's an interceptor, um, dual All-Australian, a player who just doesn't do too much wrong. She's um, really good, really safe hands. She'll slot in anywhere in any defence um, and just someone who um, you can rely upon uh, week in, week out to just get the job done. Probably my rebounding off the halfback because I'm a backline player, so probably just getting the ball out if it comes in. But, yeah, that's probably one of my biggest assets. So that's Serene talking about her strength in and the run and carry, which is very handy for the Queensland game because um, as uh, Craig Stasovich admitted when he was originally building up the program to what would become the Brisbane Lions, is that they were trying to model the Queensland style of football very much on the WA style of outside running football. Yeah, and that's that's probably the attractive brand because we do know about how um, that they want to make it as attractive as possible for people to watch and get involved and for those who are particularly like non-footballing states to go, oh wow, that looks amazing the way they move the ball and everything so she'll definitely add to that um, and, and be a great player regardless of wherever she plays another player that Nicole Graves told us to keep an eye on is Georgia Bruard so she's a really speedy outside sort of winger type um, she obviously could run a half back and half forward as well um, really dedicated to her craft and to learn she's one of the Northern Rivers girls so Obviously, cool and get up. Um, yeah, that's sort of one of our catchment areas being way down sort of towards the New South Wales end of Queensland. So, yeah, it'd be really good to get someone, you know, get some more, um, yeah, AFLW players from the Northern Rivers region. So, yeah, Georgia's, I would say Georgia's, you know, certainly up there with those and obviously her age. Um, being a, only a young player, she'll um, she'll do well. And there's been a few of those, haven't there? That there's Northern Rivers and, and Northern part of New South Wales players that are more linked with the Gold Coast Suns or or wanting to play football in Queensland, simply because it's a lot closer than having to relocate down to Sydney. Yeah, she's she's right up in the uh, I, I guess the sticks, if lack for a better word. But um, she's a great story. I actually chatted to her last year. Um, because she uh, injured her knee and was out for a whole 12 months. So she was going to play in the um, champs last year, missed out. Obviously that bit older now, but um, just that one year, like over age of 19, um, she's a player who I think provides great value because she's a bit of an unknown quantity, but I, I... from what I'd heard, she was definitely draftable before her injury and one of the better players uh, on offer there. Um, and certainly she's a player who I think... Um, they should give a chance to. I think she might be a real great value late that might drift down and certainly someone who had talent if she can um, maintain consistency with her body and, and she'll be right. Nicole also told us to keep an eye on Lee Elder. Halfback, um, sort of small defender, but certainly, you know, we'd run it through the midfield. We'd probably run a halfback because of the, you know, the side that we had in last season. So, yeah, so definitely Lee would be one. Again, you know, with these Queenslanders, they're all super fit. You know, you're really just then putting footy IQ into them. So, yeah, most of these girls are, are sort of running machines. So leave one of those as well. Yeah, it's interesting to hear that about Queenslanders being running machines. It even goes back to the likes of Tiana Ernst, who played in Victoria for a while now on the Gold Coast. Um, Tiana Ernst actually was um, a, um, a high school sprinter, I think it was, um, before taking up Aussie rules. So a lot of these Queensland women with a, with a, a sprinting or athletics background coming into the game. 
Yeah, and, and I guess that's the benefit. There's probably a lot of them that have wanted to play footy when they were younger or, or did and then couldn't do it anymore, and, and particularly in non-dominant uh, states. And then suddenly there's this pathway, there's a couple of clubs popping up, there's um, a, a, an actual uh, real destination for them to reach, and they go, well, I'll give it a crack, see how it goes. So um, it's great to see so many, um, I guess, co- other codes coming across and, and players going, yeah, I'll, I'll test myself out at this sport. Another player to keep an eye on again out of uh, Bond University is uh, Shannon Dankert. And on that, we managed to speak to Laura Attard about Shannon. Shannon Dankert, who has come from Vic, um, southeast Gippsland girl and uh, a netball background. And, and she's in the midfield for us and she just is a goer. So one of those relocated Victorians, again, uh, opposed to the Queenslanders, inbuilt with footy IQ. Yeah, exactly. There's a few of them that um, uh, that are like that, and there's a couple of the under-18s as well that have moved and, and come up there. So um, it, it, I think that that really helps and adds to the athletes who are already there uh, in the Queensland programs, and, and she comes with a fair bit more football knowledge. What are some of the other uh, Queenslanders that are really taking your eye? Yeah, well, um, uh, linking on from that... Uh, uh, Isabel Dawes, she's one that actually came from Frankston originally. So she moved up from Frankston, played footy as a junior, went up there, and I, I think from memory was sort of like, I'm, I'm a bit surprised there isn't footy around. So she didn't um, immediately come into it, but the moment she was able to get a chance, she did. Um, Dee Heslop uh, is another one who, um, you know, she came from New Zealand originally. So she's actually a player who's um, come from across the ditch and, and had a real impact Um having to pick up a ball and learn it all and getting to the stage she did. I know that a lot of these Queensland girls were rushed right up to the so the top um, of everything because of their ability to um, just learn so quickly. And, and outside of them, you've got Tani White, who's one of the best stories, um, basically crossed over to um, football as a sport. I think she came from soccer off the top of my head. And basically she was um, a player who... Uh, First game in, got competitive and did her ACL. And then everyone was telling her, don't do it. Don't, you know, don't play it anymore. She fought her way back. She made all Australian as a 16-year-old, which was remarkable. Um, And obviously uh, wasn't able to get consistency in her game all the time, like through injury and whatnot. Um, Came back this year and and really stood out at the championships. And she's one of those players I think everyone hopes gets a chance because she's just so talented. And I know Queensland really rate her. And, you know, she's a player that I think adds something. And Taylor Smith, uh, Taylor Smith sorry, is another one who, you know, a tall target, a uh, good mark of the footy, still developing certain areas. But, you know, she's able to win the footy and move around the ground and was another who impressed for Queensland. Another player who also impressed Nicole Graves, uh, who was assistant coach at the time at Coolangatta Tweed, was Holly Mirfield. Holly's a key forward, really reads the ball um, really well. Um, so, yeah, definitely a dangerous uh, forward and a lot with a lot of these um, players, Pete, you know the Queensland ones. It's getting a, a bit of footy IQ into them, so lots of them would develop really quickly on in an AFLW program. So Holly is certainly one that they'd be keeping an eye on. Holly Mearfield as well playing in the forward line. I just keep thinking to myself that um, with the loss of originally Taylor Harris to Carlton after season number one, then after season three losing Sabrina Frederick uh, uh, to Richmond. 
the Lions really need someone as a focal point in the forward line. Plus, as well, if you add, even though she wasn't a hit-up forward, Kate McCarthy, they've lost some goal-scoring power there. Yeah, they need to find some forwards. And a lot of the under-18s are, are mostly mids or defenders, um, but it means that there, there are some of those mature ages that could slot in there and play that role potentially. And here's Nicole Graves also talking about Maddie Smith. She's that really sneaky... Um, small forward, so off the half forward line, obviously can run wing, but she's that small forward that can be really dangerous. So be interesting to see um, see what uh, people think. Uh, I certainly um, know that uh, both coaches have obviously looked at all these players because they quite often will ask. But And again, you know, a lot of these girls are still evolving, might be even they're only their first or second year playing footy, so they're all coming from other sports. So Maddie Smith sort of that little dark horse and again really coachable really enthusiastic and would certainly be a you know an asset to both of those teams and and learn lots from those programs and certainly player that's going to fit that category as we mentioned earlier trying to fill that Kate McCarthy role yeah, someone who I think really fills that void and someone who um, I think they just need to get some scores on the board because they have lost those players and they've unfortunately missed out um, due, due to Gold Coast coming in. But they're in a good position now with the draft and they can sort of pick out the players um, that they might identify that could fill those roles. Now, she can play the Kate McCarthy role or play the Jess Wuchner role because it's very interesting to note that during the year in the QAFLW competition, Jess Wuchner was actually named in the team of the year for the league on the halfback flank and played predominantly in defence. Yeah, she did. She It's an interesting switch considering she's one of the uh, the smarter forwards uh, going around in the AFLW and just able to hit the scoreboard and do some real damage and, and win a game off her own boot in a quarter or so. So the fact that she's opened herself up to play a different role and potentially that changes the whole draft scope going, oh, we've got someone who can play this role. Let's get We can actually get someone who can fill her role then. So uh, it'll be interesting to say that, see the way that Brisbane go about it. So the other players that could be a possible note include Amy Kelly out of Wilston Grange, Catherine Spark out of Wilston Grange, Jade Ransfield out of Yoronga South Brisbane, Caitlin Cantrell out of uh, Bond University. And of course, as we mentioned earlier, Megan Hunt, who was delisted, she's sitting there um, uh, at the UQ Red Lions, had a good year this year for either the Lions to relist her or to be taken by the Suns. Yeah, so there's quite a bit of talent in Queensland. There's obviously the two teams, so there's going to be a lot more opportunities than in past years. So it'll be interesting to see how many of these players get uh, get their dream fulfilled. Okay, so let's have a look at what's happening in the state of Western Australia. And again, Peter, it's another competitive draft pool for the first time. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a very competitive draft pool now that they've got the two teams. And obviously there's been already some uh, challenging times with players crossing from Fremantle to West Coast. No doubt that will build some uh, serious rivalry between the clubs. Now, the, the, what's interesting to see is the first player that went from Frio across to West Coast was Dana Hooker on the 10th of April. We knew the year before there was a lot of whispers going around about Dana Hooker coming to Victoria to play for the Western Bulldogs and ended up falling through. She's now changed clubs officially to go to West Coast. Immediately after her, two days later, you had Ashley Atkins, Melissa Caulfield, Brianna Green, Courtney Gard, all good solid footballers in a bunch, four leaving from Fremantle across the West Coast. Yeah, and, that, and that's what they'd set up to be able to give uh, the new teams a bit more AFLW experience. So some of those players will no doubt fill some experienced roles and um, help out with any of the young players they pick or the ones uh, out there um, from the State League.
Also going across to uh, the West Coast Eagles from Greater Western Sydney, Maddie Collier, Paris Laurie again out of Fremantle, so they got a tall ruck out of that. Belinda Smith, originally from Fremantle, then went via the Western Bulldogs, has now come back to West Coast. A day later, then they announced Kelly Gibson and Elisa Jantz from Frio to West Coast. So that's a bit of height that's been lost from Fremantle crossing over to the Eagles. Yeah, so that's probably an area that they're going to need to identify. And there are quite a few tools that fill roles at each end of the ground in key position places. So that's really important. They also got a former West Australian back in Emma Swanson, originally out of WA, but of course was one of the original two marquees for the... GWS Giants. Yeah, the marquees have certainly moved around since the original days there. I can, I just a heap of them that you can think off the top of the head of have moved on to different clubs. So it's a long time since then, despite only being a few years. So at the trade table, this is what happened uh, for Freo and West Coast. We know that uh, West Coast picked up Mackenzie Dowrick from Brisbane in swap for pick number 13. West Coast then picked up from the Western Bulldogs, uh, Kate Bartlett. Of course, we, we've been talking about Kate Bartlett for a while now. who's always excelled at under 18 level, but... Um, it was uh, didn't get picked up in the first year that she was available. Then as a 19-year-old got picked up by the Bulldogs. You know, it's kind of like when we see it sometimes in men's football, the really outstanding junior player that was still waiting for something to happen at senior level. Yeah, and she's a player that kicked a heap of goals at junior level. And um, I guess the first year everyone was like, why didn't she get picked up? And, and then all of a sudden, you, the second year you're more prepared for it and you're like, oh, I don't know whether she'll get picked up. She should, but you don't know. And, and then the Bulldogs took the chance and then she ends up back at WA, which is um, interesting. Uh, but yeah, and as you said, Mackenzie Dowrick's another interesting one, opting to go to Queensland because she knew people up there. But then she's come straight back to WA. So um yeah, it's just interesting because she's obviously just avoided going to Fremantle. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and also jumping from Fremantle to West Coast, but in swap for a pick being pick 86, which essentially means nothing in the end um, because of how the system works, is Cassie Davidson. Uh, she's landed at the West Coast Eagles. If we have a look at retirements and uh, delistings, of course, we don't have to worry about the uh, West Coast Eagles, but Fremantle have let go Ebony Dawson, Taylor McAuliffe and Brianna Moyles. They're the three players that have been delisted by the Dockers. And through the free agency period, no one uh, picked up by West Coast. But Fremantle, of course, as we mentioned in our Victorian edition, somehow got on the phone and somehow convinced Mia Ray Clifford to go from the East Coast across to Western Australia. Yeah, that was a, a bit of a shock for everyone, I think. And um, the fact that, well, the first shock was obviously her not getting another contract um, down there in Geelong and then her coming across and, and playing uh, over in the West, it'll be really keen. She adds a lot of experience, so that's something they might need uh, with those missing. Obviously, um, Dana Hooker going uh, across as well now, so she's lost that um, bit of experience in midfield, so she can probably play a real good role uh, through that forward half of the ground. As we look at the rookie signings for both Fremantle and uh, West Coast, uh, Fremantle picked up a netballer in Lindell Road. West Coast picked up a rugby union player in Micah Carter. And then a total of four cross-coders from Ireland got picked up out of Gaelic football. Fremantle ended up picking up uh, Kate Flood and Ain Tai. And uh, for West Coast, they got the Kelly sisters, Grace and Eve Kelly. 
Yeah, well, they're probably on the flight routes. They're probably slightly closer, so they dropped them off <laughs> on the way to Melbourne. But um, it, it's going to be great to see the um, see how they perform over in WA because predominantly a lot of, I, I guess, the Irish players have come to the eastern uh, eastern states, and, and that's for men's footy as well. So um, I'm really keen to see how they go out there and, and adapt to the style because we know that there's different state-based um, styles that they adopt. I think it really suits them, so it'll be keen to see how they perform. Okie dokie. So let's have a look at some of the players that are available on the tail. We do actually have a bit of limited uh, knowledge of what's coming out of WA. It always seems to be the case of Victorian media, but we don't have quite the inside goss on, on West Australian football. But the one player that everyone has been talking about is Roxanne, or Roxy for short, Roxy Rue out of East Fremantle. Yeah, look, she's a magnificent talent, high-marking forward, a highlight reel type player. She's someone who will take the big pack marks, um, kick the ball long. She's a 50-plus metre um, boot of the ball. Um, and I just remember at the Champs this year, after in the last quarter in the first game, they sent her into the ruck and she had 18 hit-outs in a quarter, which was just remarkable. She was leaping over the opposition ruck and the opposition ruck just didn't know what had hit her. So um, it was just remarkable to see her uh, just have a dominant quarter in the ruck. And, of course, she loves tackling, loves winning the ball. She's just an unbelievable talent and someone who will be very marketable out there in WA. And here's East Fremantle Sharks coach Nikki Harbour talking about Roxy Rowe. Yeah, she's got that X factor, Roxy. She's, um, I think she's 17. I'm not sure if she's hit 18 yet, but um, but she is, is just a, a great talent. She's such a good size for her age. And she can jump like nobody else that I've seen. So she um, she was amazing uh, throughout the season. I put the reins on her a little bit for the second half of uh, our season because she tries to to go up the ground a lot and and try and do it all. And for us, she's more valuable in front of goals. So um, put the reins on her. And then when it came to semi final and grand final, I just took the reins off and said go for it. And she brought out her two best performances as well. It's interesting, I was going to say, with Roxy Rue, she was one of those players that lived in the complete remote parts. We know about Victoria, how remote they are. She lives so remote, she travelled 10 hours one way to get to training and 10 hours back. She missed a day of school. Um, She used to go down, catch the train, go all the way to Perth, train, and then catch all the way back. She'd get back Tuesday night, so she'd have to train on the train. So of every player in this draft crop, she's the one that I want to get drafted simply because of that work ethic. So she has the best story of anyone. Off my chatting to Nikki Harwood, um, she believes Roxy is the number one WA draft pick. 100%. Yep, I'd agree with that uh, comfortably. Obviously, Michaela Bowen was the other one who got pre-listed by West Coast, but um, in terms of the ones available, she's the number one by a long way. Uh, what can you tell us about Rebecca Viney out of Claremont? Yeah, she's an interesting player. Like we chatted to her um, up up there in the Gold Coast when she was there. She's not a huge ball winner, but she's able to um, win plenty of it around uh, around the ground. Generally, more of that defensive type player. Um, you know, just just plays a role, able to match up well on opponents, and just win a fair bit while laying some defensive pressure. And here is uh, Rebecca Viney uh, talking to you guys uh, at the championships. My strengths are mainly like on the ground, picking up the ball and using my speed. I want to keep improving mainly like my skills, my handballs and getting that efficiency. So There it is, Rebecca Viney. Yeah, and she's she's just a player that it's interesting because in WA, like a lot of the players, if you looked at the statistics, they don't win a lot of the ball, but they have a lot of influence uh, at just getting it and getting it forward, not necessarily on the stat sheet, but just winning the hard ball and moving it forward.
Taylor Pescott out of Swan Districts. Yeah, she's one that uh, has certainly developed the last 12 months. She played in WA's uh, as a bottom major up at the Champs and someone who's, again, she's uh, I think she's one who said to us, she's not one that likes kicking goals. That's not her kind of thing, but she's good one-on-one in defence and doesn't mind if it's sort of, if she's deep in defence one-on-one and is able to spoil her opponent or outmark her, uh, her opponent. She's able to back herself and um, really win that uh, contested ball and go forward. Here's Taylor Pesca talking to Draft Central at the Championships. My strengths is probably my contested work in the way that I read the footy coming in. I think that I've watched so much of the game that when it's coming in and I just one-on-one with my player, that's where I really do my best work as opposed to kicking a goal. (laughs) That's not really my thing. But, yeah, definitely the contested work I really enjoy and I really thrive off that. Here's some other players out of WA that have caught your eye. Yeah, so obviously during uh, the year, the one that caught my eye um, that I wasn't expecting was Mim Strom through the uh, the ruck. She was a dominant uh, player behind Montana McKinnon of South Australia. She was one who really dominated, uh, took plenty of the ball, and obviously you got Emma O'Driscoll as well uh, back there and able to... Um, she provides a great deal of experience. I think she's an overager and, and came back and, and was able to do a fair bit of good uh, work in the back half. And, uh, of course, then you look at um, Sophie McDonald, who's a player who is definitely on the radar. That was someone who the WA clubs, when we were up at the Champs, said to me, yep, no, she's one that's going to get picked up because she's just come on in leaps and bounds. She's come from a hockey background from memory, so she's come from a completely different sport as well. Really well-measured, um, key position defender, Good overhead, able to um, clunk marks and and rebound and and just do enough to nullify her opponent while uh, providing her teammates some run and drive defence. And, of course, you spoke to Sophie McDonald, who, of course, comes out of Claremont uh, at the National Championships. My footy IQ and knowledge of the game, coming from hockey, being able to transition easily in terms of knowing tactics and being able to adapt to different situations and uh, probably my height and my speed and just being able to create a contest in the air. There we are, Sophie McDonald. Another player to keep an eye out for, she performed well in the medal count at the Dara Kerr uh, medal night, is Kimberly Bowie out of uh, East Fremantle. And we asked Nikki Harwood about Kimberly. Kim Bowie, uh, look, I'd love to see her get drafted this year. She's probably a bit of a, an unknown and might be a bit of a, a dark horse to, to get drafted. I don't know if Fremantle are looking for, for a ruck, so... She's definitely a possibility there, but um, she's just had an outstanding season. She's just a good workhorse. She'll just get in, get the job done. She, she's nothing flashy, but she just does, plays her role and is actually very, very strong in the contest. So that's your dark horse to look out for, according to Nikki Harwood. Oh, very interesting, especially when it's a WA draft with only a couple of uh, couple of teams. So maybe she knows something uh, that others don't. You're listening to AFLW Draft Inside, a special edition of the Final Siren podcast by draftcentral.com.au and Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. We'll be back in just a moment. Been playing for a while, sweet kicks, because footy makes you smile, sweet kicks football, if you're getting ready for the trials gotta go the extra mile sweet kicks football not always hearing that sweet sound when you kick the ball need to develop your footwork or explosive speed want to take the next step in your footy career 
then you need Sweet Kicks. More info on our Facebook page or go to our website, sweetkicksfootballacademy.com.au. Gotta go the extra mile, Sweet Kicks Football. You're listening to AFLW Draft Inside, a special edition of the Final Siren podcast by draftcentral.com.au and also presented by Women's Australian Rules Football Radio on RSN Carnival. I'm Peter Holden along with Peter Williams. Thanks for your company. Let's take a look now at what's happening out of New South Wales ACT. And before we have a look at GWS, who have exclusive access to their pool, it's a tricky one because there's some players with the Canberra or near the Victorian border, or as we talked about earlier, near the Queensland border, that are looking at other states because of the limited opportunities that are available in the New South Wales draft pool. Yeah, and you'll find that with only the one team and whatnot, and, you know, a fairly decent team, like they've been building over the the number of years, um, they're able to uh, look at other opportunities, particularly when you've got expansion in your Queensland, which is just up on the border, and, and then obviously WA over out, out there, and, and Victoria with an extra couple of teams. So if there's players that they believe... Um, can fill a role in another club, then they may well nominate for different draft pools. So it's going to be interesting. They're going to be the hardest uh, draft pool to determine where they're going to nominate. And how's this for a um, trade swap that um, it means nothing to one club in the end? Uh, Greater Western Sydney will pick up Jessica Allen, which is fantastic for them, getting that talent back because of I think you believe she's in the army and getting transferred, and that's why she's playing for the GWS Giants, getting that great young talent. Uh, Adelaide get back pick 46, which for them, like GWS being a solo draft pool, it means nothing. <laughs> yeah, effectively. So <laughs> yeah. They've, they've done them a favour there, I think, more than anything. Yeah. So um, it's good to see. Look, there's still, there's I guess, between those teams there's nothing much obviously Adelaide might have identified there was a player or maybe they just went look we're happy to just do you a favor maybe we'll have one down the track so um look it's it's good to see it's a benefit for GWS though out of the uh delisted players for the GWS Giants uh Delma Gisu Tate Mackerel um interesting to note that some of these players that we mentioned actually played in their VFLW invitational games for them Ebony O'Day Brittany Perry, Renee Tompkins, uh, Lisa Whiteley. So that's, uh, what is it, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six players delisted. Yeah, there's, there's a fair fair few there, but uh, I guess that's the inevitable uh, way that it goes with list change and hopefully maybe some of them we've seen in, in the past with some AFLW clubs where they might have got delisted and then they performed really strongly um, during the VFLW or, or, or state league systems and, and then they've got another chance at it. So no action from them on the free agency or rookie signing front at the moment from the GWS Giants. So let's have a look through the uh, New South Wales pool and what's available. We'll we'll focus on players uh, that haven't played exclusively for the GWS Giants and the VFLW at at this stage. Uh, One player I'm going to focus on straight away as we look at the Canberra element of it is uh, Maggie Gorman. She is out of the Balcon and Magpies. She won AFL Canberra first grade women's league best and fairest before heading into that uh, grand final for um, Balconnen up against uh, Quimbian. And uh, we managed to have a chat with uh, Maggie Gorman's captain at Balconnen in Amber Allen. Yeah, Mag's got uh, league best and fairest. Uh, she also got player of the player of the year, so that's voted by like, the coaches. So just she's just always got so much time. She's an amazing player and so unselfish. She's always the best, the first one to get the footy, but she's always the first one to share it as well. So really, she's really an exciting player with the way she, her vision just across the field is um, really going to be a massive asset. 
And with a couple of um, uh, former AFLW players um, sprinkled through the uh, uh, Canberra competition, it's a pretty good standard. Yeah, so it's obviously always going to be good when you can win uh, a league best and fairest and show um, that you're able to compete with some of the players that have played at the elite level and perhaps there might have been some uh, recruiters watching uh, when she did throughout the season. So hopefully uh, she's done enough to uh, earn a spot on a list. Absolutely. And... um... What we might do is have a look at another Canberra player. This this player is very interesting. Um, she played for the GWS Giants in their fourth invitational match against Essendon and then played in the fifth GWS Giants invitational match but against the Giants for Collingwood. Yeah, that's that's a definite uh, different uh, look. Uh, very rare to sort of see that kind of thing, but uh, it'll be quite interesting to see, I, I, I guess, where they lie in terms of the, the, the pool and, and getting drafted because, you, you never know, they've got the links with the, both those clubs and um, maybe they're looking for some, uh, I guess, certainties about their, their future. If one of them uh, says, yep, we're going to have them, then maybe that will determine where they end up uh, choosing where to draft. That is Jess Stramendanoli. That's her name, Stramendanoli. Uh, apparently, she is considering nominating for the Victorian draft pool. That's why she played for Collingwood. Um, Lisa Kiwi-Roper, who's coached uh, in the AFL Sydney competition and now currently helping on the Collingwood coaching panel, uh, we spoke to about Jessica Stramendanoli. And just listen for her nickname in the middle of this little chat. Yeah, she does. Um, no, I first met Jess maybe about five years ago in the Australian Under-16 Academy. And I thought then, you know, she had a little little bit of spunk about her, the way she applied to football and just continued to develop and grow into, you know, her size. She's got a really nice, solid build and um, very quick around the ball. And, yeah, she came and um, trained with us at Collingwood for two weeks and, the girls just started nicknaming her Meatball because of her surname. They sound like a dish. Um, and you know, I think you know, she's similar in perhaps a young Jamie Lambert. Um, so she's kind of that sort of build and can float around the back. And I think Collingwood probably played her on the wing a little bit and as a small forward. So, um, you know, I think you've got two teams. I'm not sure which state she'll put a hand up for the draft, but definitely there are a couple of teams that are interested in her now. So exciting to see for Meatballs. Imagine if she went to the Giants. We had people dressed up as fridges. We could have people dressed up as meatballs. Yeah, yeah. It's quite an interesting one. Obviously, a great nickname that they've come up with, and it's great that she's uh, she's played along with it too. So Jessica Stramandinoli, keep an eye out for that name. Could end up in New South Wales. Could end up in Victoria. Another one who's probably in that position that you'll speak about is Jordan Joffley. Now, if I'm correct, lives on the New South Wales side of the Murray River, but because Swan Hill's closest, she played in that comp first. And then because of the Swan Hill connection, linked in with the Bendigo Pioneers. Yeah, Jordan Jolliffe is someone who plays... Um, she's actually north of the border. Um, she plays in the Swan Hill district, but she's actually probably about... I think it's about an hour or so into New South Wales. So she's actually a fair bit in, and that was just the closest. And then because she wanted to play at the next level, she ended up going down to the Pioneers and playing. Unfortunately, she uh, injured herself in her draft age years. She always went through the pathways with Elise Parker and went through the same things, uh, New South Wales, ACT Rams and um, Eastern Allies and whatnot, and, and kept going through that pathway. Unfortunately for her, she got injured and uh, it set her back a year. She's a, a key forward, really strong, um, consistent, probably more of that um, stay-at-home key forward kind of thing, not too dissimilar to a Sarah Perkins kind of um, role. So obviously there's the area of um, trying to build up her endurance, which she mentions um 
uh, when she, we chatted to her at the start of the season, like she's someone who wants to build that and, and really have that impact. But she's been building up her game this year and, and getting some strong runs in the legs after missing the whole year. And here is Jordan Jolliffe uh, speaking to Draft Central at the Championships. So I started in Auskick. I wasn't really a fan of netball. And most of my friends were boys. So, yeah, started there and then played uh, till under 11s. And then I wasn't allowed to play anymore. So I went over to netball. And then um, I found out that there was a, like a girls league in Swan Hill was starting one up close to home so jumped on board with that and then started playing again and then got picked into the Bendigo Pioneers and then um, sort of escalated from there. Now we talked about what's happening at the southern end of New South Wales where she could nominate for the Victorian Pool or the Giants depending on that conversation. There's similar things happening in the northern end where you've got Lillian Doyle. Yeah she's a player who um uh, funnily enough, used to be a part of the Gold Coast Suns Academy a few years ago and um, then was, in the end, ended up where she is, uh, playing out of Grafton and um, uh, Coolangatta. Uh, so she could have pretty much been at either Queensland or New South Wales ACT, but she fell in the New South Wales ACT region. So she's come through that and she's done really well. Like uh, last year was her better champs as her bottom age. So this year she played a bit more in defense where her better champs, she played in attack and she was able to kick a couple of match winning goals in the final quarter to win a game up at Metricon stadium against the central allies, which was absolutely terrific. And, and she was just over the moon with that. And I think she's got a lot of talent in the forward half. If it's not this year, I think she's certainly someone who over the next couple of years will definitely be looked at um, as a player that uh, of interest for clubs, whether it be GWS or someone in Queensland or perhaps even Victoria, because she's very driven and she's keen to, to go as far as she can. Let's hear from Lillian Doyle again, spoke to Draft Central at the National Championships on the Gold Coast. I've, I've been thrown in back quite a few times. I think when coaches kind of, um, when they have a, f a few that, you know, they need to throw up forward, um, this was the case today. They had some people they needed to put up forward. And so they thought, well, why not throw Lily back to see how she goes? So I've played back before and, you know, it's a, it's not much of a challenge, but it's quite some, it's a bit different because it's usually I hadn't done it for a few months, but I love it. I think it's amazing. Um, it's good to experience something different and just to give it a go. Um, yeah, it's just something that I'm, I'm a bit I'm more of a flexible player, I suppose, in that regard. But yeah, no, it was awesome. I loved it. And the good thing is, that, look, if she does nominate for the New South Wales pool and goes for the Giants, that's the utility that probably the Giants are short on that they need. Phoebe McWilliams, in a way, acted as a utility for them, predominantly up four, but could throw down half back. Um, they need that player that they can swing either way. I guess it's just the question of then trying to convince Lillian that you've got to nominate for the New South Wales pool. Don't go to Queensland. Don't go to Queensland. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think she's got a lot more ties in New South Wales now coming through that Rams program and loving it and certainly very close to all, all all the, uh, I guess, coaching staff there and, um, you know, uh, having Alicia Eva as your coach also helps when she's at the Giants and, and teaching those girls. So she'll know which girls are, are, that potentially could come through the system and, and they pluck out. What's some of the other New South Wales players that have been catching your eye? Yeah, there's a couple uh, who have come through the East Coast Eagles there uh, in Brenna Tarrant and Georgia Garnett. Obviously, Garnett is that... Uh, her, 
she captained the side this year. She got injured in the the middle of the championships, came back for the last game, but missed uh, missed basically all of the second game. Um, but look, she performed really strongly. She's a defender who can push up to the midfield. Good overhead. She's competitive. Loves to loves to win. Loves to play hard and just reads the ball well. She's been a player who stood out um, since the season before. Uh, and Brenna Tarrant, similar. She's a deeper defender that I guess can go forward if required, but mostly a deeper defender. She made the All-Australian team. She was really strong. Um, and in a, in a year where there were plenty of impressive defenders, she uh, stood out for the Eastern Allies. And here is Georgia Garnett uh, speaking to Draft Central at the National Championships. I was into rugby league. Um, we had a rugby league family, so... Um, played a lot of touch and I was tagged, but um, no, my PE teacher gave me a sign-up sheet for the New South Wales school team, and um, I kind of just went along to that, and uh, we had to play in a, in a carnival, weekend-long carnival, and yeah, I made the New South Wales team from there, but I hadn't actually played footy before, so um, yeah, I had to join a club, which was Kellyville Rouse Hill Magpies, so yeah, I just started playing a couple games for there, and yeah, I went up to the school national championships. That was my first couple games of footy. And Lisa coach Kiwi Roper gave us the insight on Brianna Tarrant. Yes, uh, coach Brianna a few years ago, and um, even then she was already ahead of the others at that age level. And, and it was it was hard for me to challenge her enough with the squad that I had. So um, I actually sent her along to the, the Giants Senior Women's Academy and sort of said to her, wherever you can, you mark up on fridge. And at whatever moment you can, you try and beat fridge or do better than Fridge or anything that Fridge is doing because Fridge has incredibly high standards when she trains. And I thought that that was just the level that Brianna um, needed to be challenged at. And um, and naturally, I got on the phone to Fridge and said, look out for this young kid coming because she thinks that you'll be easy to mark up on at training. And um, Fridge was already aware of Brianna and, um, and what she was able to do back then. So it's exciting to see that she's now, you know, come of age and, probably a little bit taller she already had good height um and yeah i'm sure giants are definitely looking at her there's one name i am surprised on here that stands out eloise uh, hiller stanbrook out of dubbo there's a player from dubbo being considered yeah it's not exactly a aussie rules heartland there so it's uh, it's great to see look she played through the ruck and you know held her own at times and and was able to win a a fair bit of the ball around the ground as well so she's a player that i think has a bit to offer still got a lot of development left in her but someone who no doubt they'll uh be on a list somewhere uh potentially for the future developing and um someone who might be worth uh plopping into that uh, GWS side. Now, players that uh, perform well in the top 10 in the Moston Medal Night, uh, which is the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division, best and fairest to keep an eye out for. You've got Pippi Clegg out of the Sydney Uni Bombers, Riley McGartland out of the East Coast Eagles, if she can get over that heartbreak. Um, for those that don't know, um, Macquarie University beat East Coast Eagles by a goal. McGartland was there in the goal square. Someone marked 45 metres out, went to the goal square, and literally the siren went when the ball was inches from her hands. And she had marked it as well. Yeah, so that's a bit unlucky, unfortunately. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, that's footy. And, and it's great that, like, for someone to go through that, they know that, um, you know, that there, there's su- such a fine line between success and, and, and missing out. So it, it's great to get that experience, as, as bad as it is at the time or uh, whatnot. 
um, but at least it means it holds them in good stead for the future. Pippa Smythe, the former GWS Giants footballer out of Macquarie University, had a good year, so that could be another possible pickup. And Claudia Gunjaka, look out for her, because she was actually originally a gun footballer in the AFL Barwin competition, and I think the university relocated to Sydney and finished in the top 10. Yeah, so obviously she might be a bit of a draft smoky, someone who um, just flying under the radar in New South Wales and, and someone who um, has that Victorian knowledge to, to impart on her teammates and potentially GWS could be looking at her. When you look at the likes of um, that, that have been delisted, such as Tate Mackerel and Delma Gisu, both of them had very good uh, VFLW invitational match series, uh, particularly Tate earlier on in the campaign. And we know that she played Essendon VFL the year prior. It seemed to be that she was one of those victims have had to be delisted because the number of players have to be delisted. She hasn't been able to get a full season in yet at the GWS Giants, as in full seven or eight matches played. She just seems to be unlucky that she can't quite fit into the squad. With Emma Swanson now gone across to um, WA, Maddie Collier now gone, perhaps the opportunity now opens up for Tate Mackerel. Yeah, perhaps she's finally got a chance. And and probably for GWS, it's probably... um, less heartbreaking uh, when they are delisted compared to other clubs because they know that uh, probably a lot of the communication is that, look, we've got to delist this many players. We're still keen to have you next season. Just put in a good year, though. Uh, make sure you do that, and then we'll consider you again. You're right in the mix um, to be redrafted, which would give them a boost. And certainly playing in the Invitational Series means that they're still well and truly in their um, draft calculations. One player that's probably trying to come back to AFLW level after taking uh, some time off has been Rebecca Privet. Tally, originally out of Victoria with, through Darabin Falcons and then, of course, the Eastern Devils play in the back line. Then, finally, in the AFL City Women's Premier Division, she switched back to playing at forward. She played at full forward for the Giants and did very well in the VFLW Invitational Series. The only question I have is, she played well as that standout forward. How does she sit in the mix if they pick her up for AFLW when you've got Yvonne Bonner lurking around half forward? Looking around the Ford 50, you've got Cora Staunton and you've got Jacinda Barclay in there as well. Yeah, it's quite interesting. As we saw with Cora Staunton, though, um, she can play practically anywhere. So I wonder if that they've got someone else in mind that could um, switch roles around or, or reshape the team. So we can see that perhaps she's versatile enough to play a different role or maybe someone who's already in the existing team goes back and she fills that forward void. Um, it, I, I think the GWS will be having a lot of discussions about how their team shapes up for next season. So that's our look at New South Wales ACT. Let's take a look at uh, South Australia, the home of the reigning premiers being, of course, uh, the Adelaide Crows. Uh, we haven't heard much about Chloe Shear and her comeback from uh, her second ACL and if she's going to make it back in time because it happened in the grand final, which could almost mean a wipeout of a year. But we've seen vision online from Erin Phillips, who's been working with former Olympian Michael Johnson, uh, working at his facility to try and get back in time. We knew already she was a, a extremely extremely fit elite athlete and at the rate that she's going it's a few things that cross my mind a i think she'll get back in time at the rate that she's going and the fitness that she's in and the other thing that makes me think of because she's rushing to get back for this season is this perhaps the last season and she knows she's got to get there otherwise she might not be there for 2020 2021? Yeah. yeah, well, that that's it. Like, I mean, if there's one player who can get back from that kind of uh, 12-month injury in less than 12 months, it's definitely Aaron Phillips. And look, she's a remarkable athlete and 
Um, I think just for her to get back at any stage, I, like obviously the start of the season is going to be pushing it. But, you know, if there's anyone who can do it, it's her. And perhaps she's rolling the dice and going, look, I've got one chance at this and then I'm done. But, um, look, she's a remarkable player and a remarkable athlete and um, certainly someone who I think the Crows will put it in her court. If you're ready, you're ready. If you're not, that's okay. But, yeah, they'll put it on her court. And uh, they did lose one player through the uh, expansion club signings. Uh, they lost Joe Sedenry to the St Kilda Football Club. So that was one player lost without compensation for the uh, Adelaide Crows. Through so the signing and uh, trade period, uh, Adelaide, as we said, uh, gave up Jess Allen to GWS because of relocation and got pick number 46 in return. But that was their only uh, trade action. Out of retirements and delistings, they uh, let go Renee Lug and Sally Riley. They let go Caitlin Rose. They let go Sarah Perkins and Jenna McCormack went into what we call a technical retirement, uh, taking time off to essentially now concentrate on her W League career. Yeah, so they're, they're, there's quite a few left there, particularly like up the forward end. They've obviously lost some of their uh, forward power and, and with Phillips going down and, um, as you know, Shear um, and... Uh, you know Perkins and whatnot um, out of the team. All of a sudden, they might be looking for that forward or potentially filling that role. Um, there, there's quite a few that have left the club, and it, it's just going to be interesting. They're lucky though that there's plenty of talent coming through the pathway and um, players that are ready-made to replace them. And indeed, that they cannot pick up Lug and Riley again because they've been picked up by Brisbane and the Gold Coast respectively throughout the free agency signing period. So let's take a look at some of those uh, SA players and who's caught your eye. Uh, first of all, Montana McKinnon out of uh, South Adelaide. Yeah, look, she's a uh, dual All-Australian ruck. She's um, ready-made to just step in. She's uh, played Sandful Women's Seniors uh, this year, uh, was one of the best there, able to play forward, won the MVP at the um, championships for the Central Allies. She captained them, um, just really strong overhead, uh, gets around the ground, works hard at ground level as well. She's a really strong, I guess, new-age modern ruck who can can do the small player roles just as well as, the, I guess, the key position players. So... Um, it's really great to see that um, she's able to cover the ground and, and I think she'll easily start from potentially round one if they needed her to. And here is Montana McKinnon speaking to Draft Central at the Championships. Yeah, it was um, definitely very scary, especially considering that was my very first ever game of football going away to Melbourne playing against New South Wales. Um, and especially a few months after hearing like the names called out of the draft, there's been some big names that played in that team that are now off all all over Australia playing for all different clubs in different states. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. That was Montana McKinnon referring to being a 14-year-old and entering the state academy system. Yeah, she, she's had a massive rise. They just sort of um, basically saw the way she could potentially play and they put her straight in. So, uh, and haven't looked back since. It's been a terrific decision. So, um, she's a part of a team that had plenty of successful South Adelaide players and, and one of them was obviously her vice captain uh, Hannah Munyard who again is one of the best athletes in the pool she finished top three in every single test in the pre-season testing for the um, South Australian uh, girls going through there and, and and you know she she didn't expect it necessarily but she's just got um, phenomenal uh, you know endurance she's good speed great agility wins the ball she's a very outside player so she's one that admits she 
wants to work on her inside craft and get more contested ball, but she can sort of play anywhere on the field. And certainly she's predominantly a midfielder and another one who's had a terrific season in that Sample Women's. And here's Hannah Munyard speaking to Draft Central at the National Championships. It's an incredible club. I love playing for South. Um, I learnt a lot from Chrissy Steen. She was our coach. Um, that's probably the first year in the women's program was probably where I learnt the most of my football and, yeah, just gameplays, um, skills, everything there. So, yeah, it was a really good environment as well. Yes, South Adelaide winning the uh, flag uh, the previous year in their first year in the Sandfield W competition with Chrissy Steen at the helm. And Chrissy Steen had just the uh, uh, winter prior coached Adelaide University to the flag in what is now the Adelaide Footy League women's competition. Of course, Chrissy is uh, Courtney Gum's partner and should end up going on to assist at uh, the GWS Giants uh, last uh, last. AFLW season just passed. Yeah, South Adelaide as a whole have been very successful. They um, obviously won the flag this year as well, so they backed up with a, with a second flag and um, been a really successful team in there and, and there's plenty of players both there and across the Sanford women's as it gets stronger um, that are putting their hand up to be drafted. Any other names out of South Australia that catch your eye? Yeah, so some of the, some of the other ones that obviously played at the under-18 level, Jamie Tab, she's come on in leaps and bounds, uh, crossed from West Adelaide to Woodville West Torrens um, in the first year that the Eagles came into the system. She's just a fierce tackler. Like, she genuinely loves tackling people. She runs hard, works hard. Um, she was able to win the game for Central Allies in the midfield late, uh, uh, early uh, in the championships against Eastern Allies when they were attacking, just kept locking the ball up, tackle after tackle. Um, she uses it fairly well and, and moves around the ground. Um, so it's really interesting. She's a prospect that I think will uh, certainly come into consideration after getting the National Combine invite. Um, and then there's Amber Ward as well from uh, North Adelaide, who's a who's an elite kick of the footy. She ran at something like 98% efficiency from... Uh, an average of 18 disposals in the Sanford women's, which is just unheard of. So um, she doesn't always win as much of the footy, but she certainly uses it very well. And coming off that halfback flank is a, certainly a, a player that, uh, you know, uses it well and could be, come into good use. Uh, same with her captain there at uh, the Roosters, Nadia Von Batu, uh, who uh, won plenty of the ball in the midfield. And um, as, as a number of the players we sort of identify across the league, um, was a real big ball winner and a reason why uh, quite a number of those clubs did so well. We look at the Norwood trio here. Monique Hollick, if I'm correct, at the top of my head, a former GWS footballer who ended up in Adelaide. Uh, and then you've got uh, Nawa Allen and Hannah Dunn. Now, they actually were housemates over in Canberra and both decided to, for the summer, move across to South Australia and have a crack at the Sandville W competition. They wanted to see... They watched some video online. They thought the standard of the competition was pretty good. They actually wondered if they were up to the level of the competition and uh, they thought they'd give it a crack to try and improve their draft prospects. Uh, Nawa Allen ended up taking out the Sandville W best and fairest and here was her speaking to the uh, media after winning that honour. I think um, it probably suited my style of play I'm a bit like I, I think I can run I think that's probably my best my best attribute and the Sandville's a little bit quicker so my ability to get up and down the field I think makes me more valuable here than I have mm. been elsewhere. 
I think she was actually averaging in the vicinity of somewhere near 25 touches a game. Yeah, yeah. In, in shortened games, she was remarkable. And I think by the end of the year, the only one who averaged more um, was Eb Marinoff, who came in and obviously only played the last handful of games leading into finals and, and finals. So, um, yeah, she's right up there. And, and if I was to pick one, uh, I guess, mature age, if you like, South Australian, she'd certainly be the first one you'd think of after that kind of season. It throws up an interesting question with uh, with Noah and Hannah. It, it- if A, if they've gone back to Canberra and set themselves in Canberra, do they obviously go for the New South Wales ACT pool with the Giants? Do they go for South Australia where they've moved over for and thinking, all right, let's see if we can get into playing with the Adelaide Crows, a premiership club. Or then there's this prospect. The former coach of Norwood is Stephen Simons, who's now at the Collingwood Football Club. He has to be crafty because he's late in the draft. Is he going to say, okay... No one in Victoria really knows about this lot or might not give them a chance. Let's just see if we can slide them under the radar. They're nominated in Victoria. They get passed over. And then at the back end of the draft, he just picks up the Sandville W, best and fairest. Yeah, certainly when I think of, uh, you know, Steve Simmons and and think of the way that uh, who he might attract across from Norwood, they're certainly the names um, that I'd be going. And, and yeah, I, like, I think they fit Collingwood more so than yeah. the other clubs. They need that midfielder. You yeah. mentioned about like Bree Davy coming in, obviously if they like, you know, she coming into the side and um, they need looking for another midfielder, someone who can win the ball, just get it out and run, run, run. And, and that's exactly what she is. And if she goes there, that allows them to free up what they've been doing in the VFLW. Instead of having to put Jamie Lambert in the midfield, it allows, allows Jamie Lambert to stay permanently in the forward 50. Yeah. And, and that's just another avenue to go for, for Collingwood. And, I think, yeah, of all the teams, we know GWS have got their midfielders in there. We know that Adelaide are, you know, just an amazing midfield. So, to be honest, if they want a spot in the midfield, Collingwood might be the way to go. And it's just a case of trying to slide them in there, as you said, and and get them under the radar and maybe just try and erase their names from the thing to try and get them through to the end. But, look, they might be able to pick up one or two of them. Who knows? Or um, just see how it goes. Or if they know that Adelaide and that aren't, too uh, keen on them. They can always try and go to the the free pool afterwards. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens anyway with them. Now the Joker in the pack, the wild card. Let's talk about the Northern Territory, considering they're now not officially aligned with the Adelaide Crows. So they can still nominate for the South Australian draft. They like the NT players, but realistically, they can nominate for anywhere. And if they do get overlooked, then obviously free agency will come into it. So we have no idea where these players could possibly end up. You spotted a couple of them that you watched at the National Championships. Yeah, so Chantal Miskin-Rippia is one who played in defence and she had more rebounds than anyone by an absolute mile. Um, you know, she was averaging five, six rebounds a game. So obviously Central Allies were under siege at different times, but she's really consistent um, and, and a player who, you know, was really strong um, in that defensive area. Still got to clean up the disposal a little bit, but she got some um, time with the NT Thunder. Um, Dominique Carbone, same thing. She's a basketballer as well, so she's a dual sport athlete. She uh, was captain of NT or co-captain with uh, Bella Clark. Both those girls are really consistent and Dominique is just a player who you know makes the right decisions a good leader not a huge possession winner but gets around well Bella Clark is one who you know plays really well she's always keen to improve and and, and wants to 
build up her kicking skills. She knows what it takes to, to get to the best. And um, she's really always watching footy, engrossed in it, and, and keen to be best possible player she can be. Well, first of all, here's NT coach Heidi Thompson uh, talking about uh, Chantelle Miskin-Rapier. Chantelle is uh, an 18-year-old, so she's in her draft year. Been super impressed with her. She's got an elite kick, uh, really big body. In fact, out there, she's probably one of our bigger bodies as an 18-year-old. Played as a fullback in South Australia and just really dominated. She... Yeah, was rebounding off the off the back line and giving us plenty plenty of run and carry and taking the game on. And I recall calling her name quite a lot when uh, she was playing for the NT Thunder and we were broadcasting VFLW games, uh, particularly in one game uh, against uh, Carlton out there at La Trobe Uni. Yeah, and it's good to see that she's uh, developed across the season because I think each game at the championship she got better. Like the first game at Metricon, she looked a little overawed. She sure won plenty of the footy and made a few fumbly. And then by the end of the week, you're like, yeah, she's actually getting used to this. She's adapting. And it's great to see she's actually taken the next step um, in that VFLW to to have a role and, and play a proper role in that defence and still do the same things while working on her improvements. Here's Dominic Carbone speaking to Draft Central at the National Championships. Um, for me, um, obviously being a shorter player, I like to be an inside mid, uh, go in and get the ball and be hungry. Um, if it's really big for me, just so whatever I can do, I, I, I go and do and um, try and work as hard as I can on the field. And Bella Clark also spoke to uh, Draft Central on the Gold Coast. Um, I like my leadership skills and I like my leading um, patterns and efforts, but I would like to say like marking or kicking at the moment, but I'm just not 100% there yet and I want to keep developing those skills. I like both of the, uh, both centre half forward and centre half back. It's kind of weird having two different uh, positions on opposite sides of the field, but I like those positions because you can either be in forward or back, but also get into the middle of it and get a, a bit more of a touch of the ball and then bring it into the forward or bring it into the back line but yeah when I hear that centre half forward or centre half back thing it, it keeps making me think she should be good at the Gold Coast Suns if she could end up there I to be under the tutelage of Leah Kasler who, who can be similar can be switched either way and that allows the Suns the flexibility of okay are we throwing Kasler back or forward because we've got someone who can cover her role in the meantime yeah well that's it she's very versatile and happy to play any role um, that's given to her so and obviously she's got leadership she's really switched on um, you know she's a great speaker thinks about everything she does and and could be a really valuable player also having a look at other players available in the Northern Territory that have played Kate Streeter through the NT Thunder Lisa Roberts uh, them uh, standout players are racking up uh, in the stats uh, Michaelia Roberts is a player I've been really excited about an Indigenous player in the forward line and every time she goes near the ball there just seems to be a sense of pressure immediately thrown on her opponent yeah like there, there's just so many talented players and I think that need for a small uh, for a forward that's just so damaging I guess um, around the the ball inside 50 and being able to hit the scoreboard even if you only kick a couple of goals a game you can turn a game um, with that kind of performance so it's really important one player that's uh, earned high praise has been Janet Baird and giving that praise has been NT Thunder assistant coach Narelle Smith yeah look I'm a real fan of uh, number two Janet Baird like she's um, been playing through the mid um, she's really learning her craft and, and really starting to uh, impose herself in critical times of the game so she's really really great to watch and Ralph Smith, of course, is on the coaching panel with the Adelaide Crows and a former SA State coach. Yeah, and Janet Baird won the um, best player in the NTFL uh, women's, uh, I think, last season. So she's one of the players that 
um, has really come a long way and keeps developing. Didn't get drafted in a uh, top age year, but now she's come through with another season, got more midfield minutes, probably helped with some of the Adelaide girls not getting as much uh, games this season. Uh, been a really strong performer and someone who I think um, could really be a good chance for a, a second chance or a chance at AFLW. And finally, to the last state and territory, uh, Tasmania. This is a bit of a tricky proposition. Can you explain how Tasmania sits in the whole draft system? Yeah, so like similar to uh, North Mel, uh, similar to last year, uh, North Melbourne have priority to those players. So obviously they're they're able to have the first chance at at getting those players. And uh, we saw last year with the the, the Haynes sisters uh, getting through to North Melbourne, they just get the first chance to to basically pick them and, and pick them up at a at a great value. Similar like in in many ways to like the way that Geelong does with their Geelong region. So it's a it's a player. It's a a facet of the draft which is quite interesting but it is their link that they have maybe one day Tasmania might have a team so that might be very different but certainly at the moment that's the link with North Melbourne all the talk of course has been around Mia King out of Launceston yeah she's an absolute star um, I, I'd probably put her somewhere in that say second round or just outside that top 10 uh, bracket overall so she's certainly uh, Tasmania's top prospect and considering it'll be effectively a free hit for, for North Melbourne realistically um, she's a sensational talent and someone who plays for the midfield um, can go forward but she loves the contested ball like she runs at something like 60 or 70% contested so she just wins so much contested ball and um, clearances and everything. So she's a player that will just dig right in. And I know they don't need a midfielder in there, but she's certainly one that I think is too good to pass up. Here's Mia King talking to Draft Central. Um, so obviously I'm a midfielder, so I like to just attack the ball, get the footy. Yeah, I just, I'm a hunter, I guess. I reckon my skill development definitely still needs improving and I'm trying to um, keep working on my kicking. Um, yeah, so I can just working on the skills. And obviously I was a bit sick um, at the start of the year, so my fitness isn't really where I want it to be, but I'm just working on that to get it up. And obviously the growth of uh, women's footy in Tasmania the last couple of years has really grown. What's it been like being a part of that? Yeah, no, it's so exciting. So obviously there wasn't a pathway for like any kids, and now um, we've got an affiliation with North Melbourne. Um, we're getting home games down at UTAS and North Melbourne, and it's just really exciting to see um, and the younger girls in Tasmania that there is an op- opportunity for AFLW at an elite level. And she seems about excited at the of the prospect of possibly wearing that kangaroo's jumper. Yeah, and that's that's a real benefit. Look, I think it's no secret North Melbourne are pretty keen on her and, um, you know, always in contact with her. So um, I, I, I'm expecting she'll probably end up uh, donning the North Melbourne jumper regardless of whether she plays midfield or somewhere else. She just loves the contest and, yeah, as I said, too good to pass up. Who are some other Tasmanians who have caught your eye? Yeah, so there's quite a few. Obviously, there's the trio from uh, North Launceston that you've mentioned, Hayley Brewer, uh, Bonnie Farrell and, and Jodie Clifford. Uh, obviously, with the TSL women's growing and the development pathway coming through, a lot of them are sort of developing and and. I guess getting put more into the spotlight and with North Melbourne having the advantage um, they're all players that can come in and potentially play that role that they might not have you know uh, got their chance at under 18s level or there wasn't quite that pathway as strong there Um, but now that they're performing at that uh, top level they're able to do that and really come through and um, have an impact and same with Nader Lynch who uh, out at the Magpies there that um, you know has put through a good season I know that's someone who they've been talking about for a season or so and um, someone who really stands out and is really strong.
Another player being talked up is out of Clarence. That is uh, Bronte Scott. And uh, giving uh, Bronte a fair old pump up is the Clarence captain and Grace Mitchell. Yeah, Bronte. So she plays in the midfield for us and she's just um, really good inside the ball and wins those contests. So she's super quick and her strength is amazing as well. So she's been really good for us this year. And, of course, uh, she was named uh, off the halfback flank for the uh, TSLW Team of the Year. Yeah, so uh, another one who can uh, play in multiple roles where required. So um, it gives a bit of flexibility, particularly if North Melbourne are uh, looking at you in that regard. So um, if if she's able to play in defence as well as midfield, then that gives uh, the Kangaroos uh, something to work with there. Uh, North have been talking about trying to get a ruck to complement as well as a defender, and that ruck actually might come out of Tasmania because I believe under North Melbourne's deal with Tasmania, they've got to have about six Tassie players on their list. And one of the players is Abby Green. She is a ruck out of Launceston. She'll be playing in the TSLW Grand Final. And she actually played one game for North Melbourne's affiliate, uh, Melbourne University, um, against uh, the Western Bulldogs. Now, I think she had something like 11 disposals, a bunch of hitouts as well which was pretty good when the game they actually played in, it was teeming down rain all night at Witten Oval. And we know how hard it is to play that ground when it's wet. Yeah, I'd say coming from Tasmania, though, at least she's yeah. probably got some experience in that kind of weather. So, um, But, you know, it's terrific to see, especially to step up to the level, because obviously VFLW uh, is a really strong level. So it's, it's great to see her going up. Uh, against experienced players and, and being able to perform and give North Melbourne a chance to see how she goes with that midfield group and, and through that ruck, uh, ruck role. Here's uh, Abby Green speaking to uh, Women's Australian Rules Football Radio. Um, it was nice to uh, see where you stand against the VFL girls. Um, the competition was a, was obviously tough. You have the Western Bulldogs girls who um, are a very physical team, um, but it was good to be in that playing environment knowing where you stand and it was good to get a few touches. Um, my game review wasn't too bad. I was happy with, uh, with how I played and um, I thought it was a good outcome at the end of the day. Abby Green there from Launceston. And uh, as we wrapped up, we've looked at all the states. We should make a quick comment that obviously there's the vol card in there of the cross-coders in, in a couple of ways. A, there's those some other sports that um, could be just being hidden under the radar somewhere. They've tried well at the talent days. And also as well, speaking to Michael Curran out of the AFL Island Women's Competition, there's been 15 women recruited out of Ireland through the cross-coders' respective programs in 2017 and in this year. And according to him there could actually be more still to be named. Yeah, so obviously clubs are probably uh, just keeping a bit coy on who they might be keen on and, and not wanting to make it too public. So it'll be interesting to see how many uh, more add to the list. And it's great to see so many coming from overseas that are giving the, uh, the great game a crack. Well, and the one thing that I've heard about overseas, and of course, while we're interested in the American Danny Marshall, but particularly about all the Irish women, is it's to do with the actual rookie rule itself. Uh, a number are still signed on their rookies from last year. A number of clubs still have to sign some new rookies. And that allows for players that are up to the age of 21 or haven't played Australian football in the last three years. So that was mainly designed at trying to catch, which it did in the first few years, Australians that had played another sport and trying to get them across to Aussie rules. But as they said, as one coach told me, that talent pool is actually fast running out. And that's why all of a sudden there's now the immediate look to Ireland of, well, how do we fill this rookie spot? Well, let's take a gamble on the Gaelic footballers. Yeah, and it's obviously, as we've seen um, through the men's game with the Gaelic uh, playing Ireland in the past, that 
there are similarities in the game. Obviously, tackling and things like that are a bit different, but um, there's areas that you can um, draw comparisons. So for them, it's probably one of the sports that um, you can actually uh, transition in a lot easier than if you were playing other sports, even though there's all, all sports have different areas. So obviously Ireland have a lot of players there that have got that experience. They know how to um, work around a field and whatnot, work on the team. And um, I, I think that they're a perfect fit. And we've seen it through the men's game over the years and the women's game has gone even more so. Like there's so many that are coming through and, and playing a real great role. You're listening to AFLW Draft Inside. It's a special edition podcast of the final siren by draftcentral.com.au and by Women's Australian Rules Football Radio. We'll be back in just a moment as we take a look at what picks the AFLW clubs have. There's jumpers, hoodies and tees for you at leaguetees.com.au Leaguetees.com.au is your place for retro footy gear with designs created by local artists that you won't find anywhere else. Plus, their unique range of women's footy tees help raise funds for Indigenous literacy programs. Get online and start shopping today. Leaguetees.com.au We are the Australian Literacy and Numeracy Foundation, striving to empower our most marginalised communities through literacy and education. Literacy is having a voice. Literacy is opportunity. Literacy is dreaming big. Literacy is freedom. Today, you can help end inequality and give every child access to our life-changing and proven literacy programs. Your support is vital. Donate now at alnf.org. You're listening to AFLW Draft Insight, a special edition of the Final Siren podcast by draftcentral.com.au and Women's Australian Girls Football Radio. Peter Holden and Peter Williams with you. Let's take a look now at the draft because it looks very different for a couple of clubs this year. We begin over in uh, WA with uh, the Fremantle Dockers and the West Coast Eagles. It's the first time ever it's a competitive WA draft. And if we have a look at uh, round one, the honours are going to be going with the Fremantle Dockers to have first crack. Yeah, so Roxy Roo's probably the uh, the prime player there, you'd think, and uh, Fremantle will be keen to, to get her services. Um, but, you know, there, there's quite a few players that could come through there, not only um, uh, under-18 level, but also from the local comp. So it'll be interesting to see which way they go. Obviously, Sophie McDonald, we've mentioned, will be one that will be high up there. Mim Strom has performed really strongly through the ruck for the... Uh, if they want any uh, rocket through there. Um, and, yeah, there's there's quite a few that um, uh, have been performing at the state league level. So, Fremantle have picked 12. West Coast won't come into the action to uh, pick 19 at the start of the second round. But for the Fremantle Dockers overall, they will have, uh, as we said, that first round pick. Then they follow up with pick number 21 overall in the draft. Then pick number 35. As they roll into uh, round three, they'll have pick number 51 in the draft. In round four, they'll have uh, pick number 66. And in round five, they'll take home pick number 81, and that will conclude their draft. But in a number of areas, which we'll mention with the West Coast shortly, they'll be ahead of the West Coast. Yeah, and that's that's really key. Uh, and they probably need it too, because West Coast have obviously had the concessions coming into the league, and um, they're able to pick up a number of Fremantle players, and, and they've been decimated uh, with some experience. So to be able to pick up a few new youngsters or, or players that are out there that could fill roles, it's really important for them. 
Okay, for all the West Coast Eagles, as we said, they come into action at the start of round two, where they'll pick up uh, pick number 19 overall in the uh, national draft. Again, it's a competitive WA pool between Fremantle and uh, West Coast. West Coast then have pick number 39, so two picks in that second round. When it comes round to the third round, West Coast will be at the back of the queue at pick number 56. In round four, they'll have uh, pick number 70. And in round five, by my calculation, they will be absent. So their last pick will be pick number 70 in the draft. I guess the question is, um, pick 19 overall, but really second pick for the WA State Draft Pool. Roxy Rowe goes to East Fremantle. Who's going to West Coast? Yeah, well, that's probably where you're looking at your um, Sophie McDonald's uh, or your Mim Stroms. Um, just because of their consistency uh, through there, um, probably leaning more towards Sophie McDonald. Look, she's a come a long way in that short time as a, a player who um, is quite tall, uh, you know, can play around the ground, but certainly settled into that defence. And I think they'd see her as a good scope for the future. And they've got time. They're building a young list. So it's, uh, I think she probably might be the next one off the rank. So now for the Brisbane Lions and the Gold Coast Suns, who are now competing in that Queensland draft. And uh, ho, 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 Merry Christmas for the Brisbane Lions. Four picks straight up. Yeah, it's, it's a very handy thing because obviously as good as the Queensland pool is, they do have those elite talents that are running around and uh, I reckon four is is perfect number to just pluck out the ones they need and um, and then it gets a bit difficult after that. So I'm really excited about what they could do with this draft hall. So they have pick number three overall and then picks 15, 16, 17, but in the Queensland context, it's picks one, two, three, four, and then pick 18 overall in the draft, which is pick five, then come in the Gold Coast Suns into the competition. But after Brisbane's first four picks in the opening round, they then get busy very quickly in round two where they come into pick 20, pick 20, which is just ahead of Gold Coast at pick 22. Then as we uh, continue on through the draft, the Gold Coast come back into the action at pick number 38 in round two. In round three, the Gold Coast will lead off again with pick number 42 and then pick number 50, uh, then pick number 45 for Brisbane, pick number 57 overall for the Gold Coast Suns. As we go into round number four, Brisbane will then come in at pick number 60. Gold Coast will come into it again at pick 69. In round five, the Brisbane Lions at pick number 75. Gold Coast at pick number 87 to round out the Queensland draft. So as you said, the uh, best four under-18s essentially are going to go to Queensland. Who are they? Well, Lily Postlethwaite's the first one to pick straight off the bat. Um, Belle Dawes is the other one I'd go with. She loves Brisbane, really close with Craig Stasevich. He's the one that pushed her through the pathway. Um, I, I'd expect... Uh, Dee Heslop will probably make her way there. Um, depending on what happens with Serene Watson, I'm still interested. I, I really have a feeling she might end up nominating for Vic, um, but we'll have to wait and see because she's Gold Coast Academy. I probably would have pre-listed her if she was there. Um, but Tani White is the other one who might be considered there. So probably if we go by that, Postlethwaite, Dawes, Heslop and Tani White are probably the uh, the four that Brisbane might take. So let's look at the Gold Coast Suns as they come into it uh, with their pick, which will be the fifth overall. Is there a good under-18 player waiting there for them, or are they then at that stage seriously looking at senior-listed QAFLW talent? 
Well, the other one that we've got listed there, Taylor Smith is the one that might be the one left over from that list, and she's certainly got talent. She's a tall prospect, can play up either end, um, particularly, uh, I guess, centre-half forward, someone who can take a good grab, and I think she fills a need too. So if she's the one that's left over, it's certainly not too bad. But, you know, there, there's plenty of players also that didn't make on to, I, I guess, the top-end talent and, and could be gems in that Queensland side. Now, for the Greater Western Sydney Giants, because they have exclusive access to the New South Wales pool, it doesn't really matter where their picks are. But just for argument's sake, they will be picking at number four overall in the national draft. Then when it comes to round two, they'll have a pick at number 23 and be active again at pick number 29. Uh, They will skip round three of uh, drafts. Then in round four, they come in at number 61, number 76 in round five to conclude their draft. So again, they have exclusive access by any players from New South Wales that might nominate for another state, which we think may be a possibility. I guess the question that we all want to know is who's going to be the number one New South Wales player? Yeah, so it's quite tough last year, uh, this year. Last year was quite... uh, Easy with Elise Parker Parker, running through. Yeah, she was the complete dominant player. Look, Georgia Garnett's probably that player. She's probably the the top prospect, certainly from an under-18s level. Um, But it's not as clear-cut as it was last year. So I I think they'll probably go with her. You know, she's come through the system and and they know her really, really well. Um, They might go with Brennan Tarrant, but certainly I think um, Georgia Garnett's the one that I'd probably tick off straight away. And it gives you that pathway coming through. through that whole uh, RAM system and whatnot. Uh, of course, they might end up going for a mature ager or something. It, it doesn't yeah. really matter. It, it comes down to the coach's philosophy. As we go back a couple of years ago when uh, Michelle Cowan coaching at Fremantle picked Stephanie Kane as pick number one, who was a delisted player and almost wanted to show it off as, oh, if you've been delisted, you can get back onto our list rather than picking the best under 18 because, again, the draft order actually just didn't matter then. Yeah, exactly. And it was the same with Brisbane last year, the exact same thing, um, where we're all expecting which player is going to get called out first and then they go for a mature ager that everyone goes, oh. And then sometimes it can also come down to they're just available on the draft day because it's during exams time. So. Yeah, exactly. So, hey, here you can have a photo, hold up a jumper, everybody <laughs> smile, photo opportunity. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's very interesting. Obviously, Brisbane can't afford to do it this year, but uh, GWS certainly can if they need to. But, yeah, I'd say Georgia Garnett's probably the pick if you had to pick an under 18. She's the first one off the of the rank there. And then finally for the Premiers, the Adelaide Crows, again, very similar to uh, the GWS Giants. They have exclusive access over South Australia, no longer have exclusive access over the Northern Territory. And uh, as we go through the Adelaide picks, uh, they will be picking first in round one at pick number 14. They then become uh, active again at pick number 37 in round two. In round three, they'll have pick number 46, which they picked up from uh, GWS. Then they'll pick again at pick number 53. In the fourth round, they'll... uh, a pick at number 68 in round five. They'll have their final pick at pick number 83. So who is the South Australian that will have their name called out first for the Adelaide Crows? Yeah, you'd think, um, based on the narrative around it, you'd think Montana McKinnon might be that player who uh, stands up and... Um uh, MVV, uh, future ruck prospect, someone who will just stand up and, and be there. But again, it will might well depend on exams because obviously coming over from Adelaide, if they're, they're pretty busy on the day and they have exams, they can't really do it. So they might actually look at and go, we're going to take, say, four youngsters and then a couple of mature ages and they might have, uh, pick up one of, you know, someone from uh, Norwood or, or, or maybe someone who's, you know, not 
got exams. They might be at uni already, you know. So um, it could be any number of them, but certainly from the under-18s, Hannah Munyard, Madison Newman, Jamie Tab. Um, I'd say Adelaide will be very keen on all of them and they can fill roles. Well, let's have a look at which club will do best coming out of this draft. Um, it's very hard to predict because, again, it's not like the same Victorian talent pool. But who, who has the best possibility when you consider everything that's happened in the trade and side period to uh, come away with an improved chance of making the grand final or taking the premiership? Yeah, so obviously not having any... Um, uh, competitors for the draft Adelaide are only going to get stronger which is scary so they're probably um, right in the box seat with the the picks that they can pluck out the best possible South Australians who are pretty strong as it is and then for me if you're not talking standalone Brisbane by a mile the way they've got four picks in a row of their state draft um, they can pick the four best talents chuck them in round one next year and you can see the the rebirth I guess you'd say of the Lions and um, you know they they did lose a lot of players not just last year but the you know the season before and now they're starting to build back up and I think they're going to be a very good team in a couple of years I look at it as two sides I think Adelaide just need a sprinkling of players again it all depends upon the fitness as we asked the question of Erin uh, Phillips and Chloe Shear coming back but I think they can sprinkle a few players and be thereabouts again a bit like when they were gutted with injuries in their second season but they were still you know just only what a win off from being uh, in that grand final and I actually like the position that Fremantle are in I, they've lost a bit of mid-range players but I don't think the damage has been too much they've still got the champions they've got the Courage and Nellens, they've got got the Ebony Antonios, they've got the Kiara Bowers, they've still got some high talent around there which can complement the right selection of youngsters if they get Roxy Rowe with that first pick and then if they can just be very careful of how they pick out that WAFLW talent, I think they've got enough to top up and be thereabouts again. Yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see, I guess, how the whole system works, which, which we uh, obviously don't know just yet, but certainly um, the they're in a good position. They probably surprised us a bit this year, the way that they'd come on so quickly. Um, and now they've got that, they've got to continue on and build on that form and hopefully they can do that through the draft. The, the only way I doubt the Brisbane Lions is, yes, they've got a lot of picks and they'll pick up a lot of under-18s and I think they'll be very good for their future long-term. I just think in the short-term, the way they got gutted over twice, really, to be honest, last year and then this year, losing players to the Gold Coast, but losing a number of players, Sabrina, Kate McCarthy, Nat Exxon, losing those players to Victoria, I think that really took the guts out of them. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely probably the next year they're going to struggle a bit. But in terms of, uh, I guess, coming out of the draft uh, for the future, being able to draft those players and then really get them in, it might be a two or three or, or whatever year prospect, but if they can hold on to them, certainly they'll be a lot better for it long term. Well, that just about wraps up our AFLW Draft Insights. Uh, Peter Williams from draftcentral.com.au. The draft will be coming around on October 22nd, being held at the Melbourne Showgrounds. Uh, what can people expect from Draft Central on draft day and post-draft? Yeah, so we'll definitely be covering the entire draft. And, you know, like last year, we did post-by-post post, uh, or pick-by-pick, pick, um, you know, having follow-up interviews with all the top 10 players and um, just getting involved out there and, and trying to bring you all the best on uh, our social media media at draft central Oz AUS and uh 
yeah, it, it's a really exciting time and I love draft time. So it's a great time to be around and checking out all the prospects. So check out uh, Draft Central and, of course, just Google search Draft Central podcast if you want to listen back through the year of not only the NAB League girls but also the NAB League boys for all the interviews and for all your draft information. And don't forget, you can also go to WARFradio.com for all the Women's Australian Rules football podcasts and hear about how the senior women have been fearing around the country, in particular the VFLW competition. Peter Williams, thank you very much for your company. No worries at all. Thanks. Great to be here. I'm Peter Holden. Thanks again for your company. October 22nd is draft day. Best of luck to everyone participating in the 2019 AFL Women's Draft.